Hello, and welcome to another episode of Words of Wisdom, a podcast series dedicated to reflecting on the wisdom of the book of Proverbs. My name is Jerry Weirwill, and it is my pleasure to be on this journey together with you to discover the powerful truths that God has revealed to those who desire to become wise and discerning. Proverbs 15, 31 and 32 says, An ear that listens to reproof leading to life will dwell among the wise. The one who ignores discipline rejects his own soul, but the one who listens to reproof acquires good sense. In verse 31, the ear represents the faculty of a person's hearing. It is the figure of speech synecdoche, where a part of something is mentioned to represent the whole thing. Thus, the ear represents the whole person. But not just the whole person as a living being, but the whole person as a cognitive listener. It is not the ear that understands what it hears. The ear of a person functions to transmit an audible or auditory message to the mind. And so, an ear that listens refers to a person who is open or willing to hear what someone has to say. But it's not just any message that is in view here. It is a message that consists of reproof that a person hears. The Hebrew word translated reproof, it means reproach or reprimand, both of which describe a rebuke that expresses disapproval or criticism of someone or something because of behavior, character, or other quality or attribute. Furthermore, a reproof is not meant to simply censure someone, but to offer them a correction, a correction of behavior, speech, thoughts, or attitude. I think one of the most difficult things for us to hear is other people speaking disapprovingly about us. There is something innate in our mind that resists hearing how we failed or didn't meet expectations. Some people are highly sensitive to criticism and are easily offended by any criticism even when it's offered in a helpful and constructive manner. People who are sensitive to criticism in this way often have their feelings hurt because they take criticism as a personal attack on them. Criticism is is not an easy experience to deal with, and we all deal with criticism differently. Psychological research shows that people who are sensitive to criticism often interpret neutral or ambiguous feedback negatively, even if there's no indication it should be taken that way. In addition, people who tend to be overly sensitive to criticism from others have a harder time ignoring negative information, even if it is irrelevant to the task at hand. What this means is that people who are sensitive to criticism often focus on the negatives and allow them to dominantly influence the way they understand everything else that is said. But who really receives criticism without any negative emotion rising up in them? I mean, unless we don't care at all or have no interest in what the other person has to say, It seems to me that it's a nearly universal experience to interpret criticism negatively on some level. I believe that as part of our brokenness, as fallen human beings, we all generally react negatively, at least internally, to criticism. That doesn't mean we can't help reacting this way, but simply that it seems to be our default setting. What I mean is that by default, people, especially myself, would prefer not to receive any criticism, even if it is coming from a place of goodwill with the best intentions in mind. Because of this default setting in us, we have to be very mindful of how we receive criticism. When unchecked or without careful thought, 
criticism will prey upon our insecurities and self-consciousness in detrimental ways, leading us to think poorly about ourselves. Well, back in Proverbs 15.31, it is important to note that the type of reproof that the proverb is dealing with is reproof leading to life. This indicates that the reproof in view here isn't just some general criticism or disapproval. Rather, it is a category of rebuke that has the purpose or end goal of leading to life. This is a very significant piece of information to consider in our interpretation because the proverb is specifying the objective for which the rebuke is given. It is expressly given with the intended outcome of producing life. In the book of Proverbs, the idea of life is a very broad concept that entails physical well-being, success and prosperity, healthy relationships, happiness and joy, as well as good social esteem and reputation. In essence, life refers to all categories of a person's existence. And the concern of the proverb is to motivate the reader to realize that to be wise means listening to reproof that will produce life in them. The proverb doesn't say that the wise person listens to all criticisms people give them, but particularly the wise person is keen to discern and listen when they are being reproved for the purpose of leading to life. Therefore, if someone wants to join in the ranks of the wise, then they must display a distri- then they must display a strength of character that takes reproof to heart and doesn't react or immediately assume a negative bias. Only the wise are humble to admit mistakes, change their behavior, and receive teaching on how to live better. And we should strive to be counted as one of those who listens to such reproof when it is offered to us. Now, in verse 32, there is antithetic parallelism that is connected thematically to verse 31. Let's read it again. It says, The one who ignores discipline rejects his own soul, but the one who listens to reproof acquires good sense. The phrase, the one who ignores discipline rejects his own soul, is probably not a line many of us hear every day. What does it mean? How can I reject my own soul? Isn't my soul who I am? Well, first, let's look at how the proverb says one can reject their own soul. The proverb says this happens when one ignores discipline. Discipline is translated from the Hebrew word musar, which means correction. So when we ignore correction, the consequence is that we, in turn, are rejecting our own soul. The basic premise in the book of Proverbs is that discipline or correction, it deals with godliness and living with the fear of Yahweh, which is wisdom. Thus, the context of discipline is not about being corrected on how to do the laundry or cook or plow the field or clean the oxen stables, though correction on practical daily living can certainly be included to some degree. It is more likely that the fundamental type of discipline in view here is correction of attitudes, behaviors, or lifestyles that are contrary to wisdom, such as laziness, pride, injustice, dishonesty, lust, greed, and many others. Therefore, to reject the correction that leads to wisdom has a detrimental effect upon a person. The phrase rejects his own soul can also be translated as despises his life. 
What this means is that the person who pays no attention to discipline doesn't care about themselves. Now, this doesn't mean they don't feed themselves or bathe themselves or fulfill all their basic physical needs. Rather, it means that they don't mind living contrary to Yahweh's design and intention for life and outside of his rule and authority. To live apart from obedience to Yahweh God is to abandon the source and author of life. How can one live a better life than in accord with the one who made it? The simple answer is, you can't. And so to ignore discipline is an intentional choice to diminish one's own quality of life and their fulfillment in it. The antithesis to the rejection of self is then given in the second line, which says, but the one who listens to reproof acquires good sense. As we already saw in verse 31, the person who listens to reproof is one who will dwell among the wise, because receiving reproof is part of living with wisdom. Here in verse 32, the person who listens to reproof is said to acquire good sense. This phrase in Hebrew literally means acquires heart. However, the word heart in Hebrew does not carry the same meaning as the word heart does in modern English. In the ancient biblical culture, the primary metaphorical meaning of heart, in contrast to the literal meaning referred to the organ, was not connected to the emotional center of a person. Instead, the heart functioned as the intellectual and spiritual center of a person. As the intellectual center, the heart was viewed as the center of a person's thinking, decision-making, and morality. In Proverbs, the heart is said to seek knowledge and wisdom, and it is told to hold on to teaching and instruction. Without heart, that is reason and good sense, a person makes foolish decisions. The heart is also the spiritual center of a person where it is described in some places as being either pure or perverse, meaning it either has good or godly or bad or evil desires. The person who listens to reproof acquires good sense because they're able to learn from their mistakes and then will likely not make the same mistakes over and over again. Part of being wise is having the capacity to alter the way one acts, thinks, and speaks, especially in response to reproof. In contrast, the one who does not listen to reproof runs the risk of bringing harm upon themselves for their lack of understanding. Ignorance breeds stupidity, and those who ignore discipline will more likely get into trouble over and over again. And when poor choices are made, there are consequences that follow. Reproof teaches a person how to make good decisions in their life so as to avoid the pain and heartache that comes from foolishness. To illustrate this proverb, Thomas Keller has been one of the most famous American chefs in the past few decades. He began his debut in 1986 in New York City, opening a restaurant called Raquel. Not long after that, he moved to California and began working as the executive chef at the Checkers Hotel in Los Angeles. Throughout the 90s and early 2000s, Keller opened numerous fine dining restaurants along the West Coast in California and Nevada. He has immense international acclaim and has received countless awards and recognitions, not only for his skill in the culinary arts, but also for his superb training of waitstaff and restaurant personnel for the highest quality dining experience. 
In 2001, Keller was named America's Best Chef by Time Magazine. And in 2003, Johnson & Wales University conferred upon him the honorary degree of Doctor of Culinary Arts for his contributions to the profession. Then in 2004, Keller opened a restaurant called Per Se, which is a fancy American and French restaurant in Manhattan in New York City. Per Se was awarded three stars in 2006, which indicates it's an exceptional restaurant. In 2011, it was given a four out of five stars and ranked as the best restaurant by the New York Times food critic, Sam Sifton. And it has been awarded five stars, the highest rating by Forbes Travel Guide each year since 2005. But in 2016, something unforgettable would happen that Keller was not expecting. His renowned restaurant, Per Se, in Manhattan, would receive an overtly negative review in a local periodical. Peter Wells, who was the lead restaurant critic for the New York Times at that time, he wrote a scathing review of Per Se in the food column on January 12th. Over the course of three dining experiences between the fall and winter of 2015, Wells was disappointed in the renowned establishment that others had previously spoken so highly of. His evaluation of the nine-course meal priced at $325 each, with service included, was deemed to range from, quote, respectably dull at best to disappointingly flat-footed at worst. Here's an excerpt of Wells' review, quote, the kitchen could improve the bacon-wrapped cylinder of quail simply by not placing it on top of a dismal green pulp of cooked romaine lettuce, crunchy and mushy at once. Draining off the gluey, oily liquid would have helped a mushroom pot pie from turning into a swampy mess. I don't know what could have saved limp, dispiriting yam dumplings, but it definitely wasn't a lukewarm matsutake mushroom bouillon as murky and appealing as bong water, end quote. Wells would go on in his review to levy other criticisms against Per Se, ranging from the subpar food quality to the poor etiquette and attention from waitstaff to unexpected overcharges on the bill. But not all was negative in Wells's review. He found several things gratifying and enjoyable at Per Se. But for a prestigious and expensive restaurant of a four-star caliber, a few good things doesn't even come close to cutting it. Now, as soon as the review was published, Keller was shocked. But how would Keller handle this harsh criticism against his beloved restaurant? He could respond with foolish emotions of anger and spite, and been dismissive of the review, attributing it as coming from an unprofessional critic or a place of personal bias or some other means of discrediting its legitimacy. Or he could respond with wisdom and learn something from the situation by which to improve and get better. Surprisingly, Keller listened carefully to what Wells said in his review. Immediately, Keller traveled to each of his restaurants around the country to meet with his 1,029 staff members to explain to them what had happened and to discuss with them what to do. When convening with the waitstaff at Per Se, Keller told them, As long as Pete Wells is the New York Times critic, I doubt he's going to come back. Thus, in order to recover from the impact of the review, Keller remarked, it was going to have to be one guest at a time. Our goal is for every one of them to walk out the door and say, what the hell was he talking about? Referring to Wells. 
Keller also commented that you may not realize it when it happens, but a kick in the teeth may be the best thing in the world for you. With gentle humility, Keller accepted responsibility for Perse's poor performance. He didn't make excuses, and he didn't try to belittle the accuracy of the review. He chose to own up to the review by taking it to heart, deciding to make drastic improvements to correct where things had gone wrong. What an amazing demonstration of integrity that is as inspiring as it is rare. Here is one of the most famous chefs of his time, with one of the most famous restaurants in the nation, receiving a bone-chilling slap in the face from a food critic. A lesser man in his position probably would have retaliated on account of their pride and hurt ego, but not Keller. Keller also issued a public apology. Here is what he said, quote, to our guests, at all of our restaurants, in our kitchens and dining rooms, we make every effort to provide you with the best possible experience. We consider it our professional responsibility to ensure that every one of you feels special and cared for. To us, it is imperative that we improve and evolve every day. We constantly examine ourselves, our menu, our service, and our standards. Regretfully, there are times when we do not meet those standards. The fact that the New York Times restaurant critic Pete Wells's dining experiences at Per Se did not live up to his expectations and to ours is greatly disappointing to me and to my team. We pride ourselves on maintaining the highest standards, but we make mistakes along the way, and we are sorry we let you down. We are not content resting on what we did yesterday. We believe we can do better for ourselves, our profession, and most importantly, our guests. We have the opportunity, the tools, the self-motivation, and the dedication to do so. When we fall short, we work even harder. We are confident that the next time you visit Per Se or any of our other restaurants, our team will deliver a most memorable experience. Thomas Keller, chef and proprietor. Keller's response demonstrates that he discerned the criticism from Wells as being ultimately something that was helpful. Wells exposed things that Keller was completely unaware of, and if Keller was unaware of them, then they were going unnoticed and unaddressed. And only when those matters came to light in Wells' review was Keller able to take action and make the appropriate corrective measures. We must all realize that, in general, reproof is meant to be a good thing, that helps us become better. Now, there will be plenty of criticism in life that does not qualify as being helpful. But part of growing in wisdom is to discern if the reproof is leading to life. It will require much humility to admit when we are wrong and to change our ways. But that is how we will acquire good sense. We need to listen to reproof in order to become wise. Thanks so much for listening to the Truth or Tradition podcast. We hope you're enjoying this new series on the words of wisdom from the book of Proverbs. And for more biblical resources, you can visit our website, truthortradition.com. And there you can subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of the future resources that we post. 